podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game and with a beautiful new head coach as well in footballing terms, certainly, uh, as we got off to uh, an entertaining and interesting start to his reign. Mr. Deserby got a three-all draw and had time for a little dance as well uh, in a game that was full of entertainment. I unfortunately couldn't go. Peter, you weren't there either. which is a bit of a shame. Hello, Peter, by the way. Uh, but we are also joined again, I think, for the uh, second time in uh, three episodes, which is great, uh, to Alan, who was at the game. Hello, Alan. Hello there, Russell and Peter. Yes, I was there. I was very fortunate. It was actually, I look back, the last time I was at Anfield was in March two, 1982, when Andy Ritchie <laughs> scored, the, scored the winning goal. So that was, that's how long. I've been to Liverpool many times since for work and things like that, but... Uh, that was the last time I was actually, actually at Anfield. I remember getting the uh, Seagull special up there on the coach and coming back. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got a two-game unbeaten run in, at Anfield then. For That's it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've done quite well up there um, on and off, haven't we? And um, you, you could have been to another game and done pretty well as a return match. But I think you've really excelled, excelled it by picking this one. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. Loads of <clears throat> draw. Is there a game? Nice day. I think uh, I think we're we, we're we're going to Liverpool are going to become like West Ham and they're they're going to, we're going to be their bogey team or certainly Klopp, the way things are going at the moment. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he was one, um, one defeat in five now, isn't it? And and three unbeaten at Anfield. So yeah. 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 That's right. yeah, yes, indeed. And we're going to come back to this a bit later, but one quick question I'm going to throw out there for anybody to ponder, uh, which may have been quoted somewhere, and if everyone already knows this, so be it. Uh, Leandro Trossard got the hat-trick, all three goals for us. Do you know who the last person was to score a hat-trick at Anfield? Not Brighton, particularly any other team, to score a hat-trick at Anfield. Doesn't happen very often. Uh, Peter's nodding. Tell me later if you do already. I've had the same stat as you, probably. You 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 also don't mean Liverpool players, you mean a non-Liverpool player. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, visiting players, I should say, yes. And they actually scored four, didn't they, rather than three? That is correct. Mm. We've given a clue Mm. already. And Alan, you've nodded, by the way, as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if someone doesn't know it, that will be a clue, though. I mean, either you know it or you don't. (laughs) I'm not sure the fact that they score four goals will help someone if they're completely clueless. They'll go, oh, yeah, it must be that player. <laughs> well, I, I was on the way back from um, the stag at the weekend in Newcastle when it was discussed on the train, and I didn't get it uh, until somebody said. But I think if they had have mentioned the four goals, I actually would have got that, because I do remember watching that game thinking what a crazy match it was. Yeah. All right, get you uh, then. Yeah, so there we go. More <laughs> on that later. After I, I wouldn't have got it in, except for that if I heard it. There's only yeah. been three, I think, in the Premier League history, I think, at, at Anfield, including Trossards from opponents of a pool. Hmm. One in yeah. the 90s, one in, yeah. So that in itself is a hell of a claim to fame. Trossard just seems to be getting better and better, doesn't he? And we'll, I'm sure first out being Premier League hat-trick as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Another mark. Ironically, the game after someone else, McAllister should have had one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In my head, he, he did. That's why I didn't recognise the Trossard uh, achievement. Uh, in, my, in my mind, he still did get a hat-trick. It was so good, it just doesn't deserve to be chalked off. But there we go. Um, anyway, more, more on that in a second. But um, yeah, a, th- a three-all game. Um, Alan, you're up there. Tell us about the, the journey, the day. It's just a hell of a long time since you've been. So that's, what, 40 years. Um, what a time to pick to go back. And how was your day, first of all? Yeah, <laughs> Well, the thing is, I, I wasn't originally. I wasn't planning to go, but uh, suddenly there were some tickets available. So, with the uh, 
the fact that we had taken on a new coach, I thought, yeah, I'll go up for the first match. So uh, then, of course, there was no trains, so I had to work out how to get there. So I yeah. decided to drive there and back in the same day, which at my age now is a little bit of a mistake because I was absolutely <laughs> tired and very, very sleepy on the way home. It took me quite a long time to get home, but nevertheless, it was a good, very good journey up there. Very sunny, which was surprising. Met up with uh, some of our friends, uh, Dominic and Dave Townsend. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was nice. So we, we met up with some other people as well. So it was great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, it was a very, very good trip. The atmosphere was great in the stadium. But, uh, obviously, when you're in the home supporters, you just really hear the home supporters and uh, it's difficult to pick up the Liverpool. But I think they were fairly quiet, which is becoming quite a, a common theme with some of these so-called six, top six clubs. I think mm. uh, quite often we're going to these grounds and uh, and apart from the beginning, and maybe when obviously when they score, then... Apart from that, it gets very quiet uh, generally. Um, mm. so that was uh, that was an observation. But uh, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I mean, uh, you know, within three minutes of scoring was fantastic. So uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great, great start. Yeah, but uh, I mean, a, a few things really I wanted to really say really with, with regard to to our new coach. I mean, I think. I think he did work with the non-internationals a little bit last week because you could see that he was trying some of these new new ideas. A couple of things I noticed. I mean, obviously, with Potter, we do knock the ball around a little bit, little bit at the back, but I think they did it a little bit more maybe than before. And there was a few little hairy moments, but they seemed to to come through that okay. And the other the other one I noticed, really, I felt that March was a lot more direct, a lot quicker with his passing. He didn't did he dally on the ball as much as he normally does. I mean, he was quite quick at offloading the ball, which was actually in the second goal. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw something from something from uh, March, and I can't really recall seeing that often. I mean, it was a lovely deft one. first touch pass pass to um, to Trossard, which I think before maybe March would have just collected the ball, fiddled around with it a little bit, and then tried to take a shot himself. But he kind of, you know, and I think that was maybe that's something that uh, maybe Deserby had worked with March on because he, so I think Deserby did actually highlight March in yeah. one of the, in, in the, in the pre-match conference. He kind of, he was the first yeah. name that came up that he had been speaking to. So maybe he'd done some work with him. So that was quite good. Uh, I mean, Sanchez obviously has just come back from Spain. So that was maybe potentially could have been a problem with their kind of playing around at the back. Um, but he's, he's, I mean, obviously he made a fantastic save at the end. I mean, it was top draw, usual thing for him. He, he, he does pull out these big saves. But the thing that always fascinates me with Sanchez is that he, when he makes these saves, it looks so easy. I mean, he's basically, when you look at him, well, I watched the replay later on on Match of the Day, and you see him standing there, and he's like, he's just standing on his two feet still. And just before the, the ball's hit, he kind of jumps, maybe makes one or two jumps vertical, yeah. and then... And then makes the move once he's, you know, obviously he's waiting to see which direction the ball goes. But it's all very, it seems slow motion-ish, but at the end of the day, he gets down very, very quickly. So it's 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 really good. It's a terrific save. Uh, I think he made one other one earlier in the game, which may or may not have been 
going to be offside. But yeah, I think and we certainly, what you said about passing at the back, yeah, he's, uh, he's already taken it to a new level, hasn't he? We, we are certainly using every inch of the pitch now. <laughs> the ball's <laughs> rolling around quite close to the goalposts a fair bit. Yep. Um, it's a the, hell of a gracious thing. And it, clearly he has already started to instill this, this snap and this directness. He's been working with Solly and people like Danny Welbeck, obviously, and others who weren't on international duty for longer. So I think the most telling visual on that was what you just said, Solly March. He, Yeah, he looked uh, a better player. Not that he's been doing badly, but uh, mm. he looked a bit better. And, and the little touch you said to the past Trossard, you're talking about the one for the goal, is it? The second goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he kind yeah. of he changed his body shape slightly to get to get it yeah. where he wanted it to it's make very it very soft, just a lovely little soft touch pass. Yeah, Trossard really, was, yeah. was quick to react. He could read where where he was going to brush the ball into. And yeah, straight onto it, wasn't he? We'll we'll come on to we'll talk it through goal by goal a bit later on. Just to quickly mention the teams, by the way. Um, first of all, Neil Atkinson didn't get it quite right because. Um, uh, Diogo Jota didn't start this one. Firmino did in the centre. And um, they had, um, well, in, generally an interesting team out there, but they, they had Carvalho starting amongst others. Um, what was interesting, I guess, is the fact they had um, Nunes, Diaz and Jota all on the bench amongst others. Uh, but for us, anyway, it was more or less an unchanged team, which is probably not so much interesting as expected, I think, at this stage, because he had less time to work with people. It was going to make more sense to stick to roughly the same type of shape and then try to impose his philosophy within that. So we started with Sanchez, back three of Altman, Duncan Webster, March on the right side, wing, kind of wing back or midfield, Esther Pignan on the other side, same thing, McAllister Caicedo in midfield, Crush and Trossard further forward, well back up top. And I think because of the movements and the fact we use so much of the pitch, for me, I thought Welbeck was still very involved in a lot of the play, including a lot of the key plays for for Albion. So I was glad that um, you know he was he was involved in that regard, rather than the way that Graham Potter had been employing him as a as an outlet for a, a more direct ball forwards uh, in some games so far this season. But that was the lineups anyway. Um, we did make use of subs as well. Lalana came back; he was on the bench and came on in the seventy fifth. Mittema came on to good effect again, looked impressive for me, 65th minute. And Lamptey came on, albeit that was right near the end. Um, so those were the subs and the starting lineups. Um, Peter, what do you make of the game? Overall? Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, having not been there, it's hard to see. I agree with a lot of what both of you are saying, though, generally. I think that the third goal, for example, was a, a sign of what, the, you know, they were saying Deserby likes to bring teams onto his team and then and beat them. And that's what, exactly what Webster did for the third goal. And in another occasion, they highlighted a match today as well, where Salah kind of gave a, a really kind of slightly half-hearted challenge and then we broke the lines from there. So it's mm. interesting to see that sort of thing come up. Sanchez, obviously, brilliant save at the end, but also made a pretty big error. I'm really not quite sure what he was trying to do for the third goal. It was a very odd way to try and punch it that, you know, he, he yeah, I don't quite understand what he was trying to do there. And he... You know, and that, and that is, I mean, he's still a very young for a goalkeeper and he's still learning and he, he makes mistakes, but then he, yeah, he shows why he's like our number one keeper at the end with that save. And yeah, it's like a Superman pose. And yeah, it was a very odd way of, yeah, and even if he got a contact, I'm not sure he punched it very far. So I'm not quite sure what he was aiming at, but yeah. Um, overall though, it looks, yeah, really promising. We, we obviously looked really good going forward, given the fact that he's only really had a, a couple of days to work with some of the players who are on international duty. Um, defensively, obviously, I think it sounds like we're going to maybe sacrifice a little bit of our defensive solidity to then be a better team going forward. But 
yeah, I think it's yeah, you know, I think that's probably worth it in the longer term if we're going to improve potentially. We need to score more goals to you know to get a top half finish and eventually we'll need to you know, if we'll hopefully sort ourselves out the back as well a bit from that and, and build up. The one interesting one, I mean like Welbeck again sounded like he played very well. Another sitter though that he missed. And as yeah. much as I don't want to talk about the fact he's not scored this season, the worry initially was he wasn't really getting any chances, but he had one against Man U where he should have scored or at least hit the target and made a keeper pay. Last season, he had one against West Ham where he, before his goal, where he should have scored, and one after his goal at Leeds, which he should have scored. And yeah, he really should have scored. And as much as I don't, I'm not expecting, you know, the whole 20 goal striker before anyone jumps down, you know, Andy <laughs> Naylor comes on and says, like, what are you talk about? You do need your striker to score to contribute some. We're lucky at the moment that the midfielders are. But if, you know, goals drive a little bit, we'll need goals from our striker and our defenders as well, ironically. None of these have all been midfielders this year so far, barring an own goal. Um, unless you count, yeah, pretty much. Because, yeah, it's the three three main scorers. And then Casado are the only ones who've actually got a goal this season. Mm. Um, and own goal as well, obviously, was really good. Um, but, yeah, it, it worries me that he... I mean, that was a real guilt-edged chance. The only thing I'd say is that, although people keep saying we could have been four up, we didn't actually have any really good chance at 2-0. It was all before we went 2-0 up that we had the chances. So you don't know what happens if we then get, we don't go and, you know, I don't think necessarily, we had chances to be four up, but I'm not sure we necessarily would have been if Welbeck had taken the first one. And for the other Trossard one, I thought Alisson did really well and, and kind of came out quickly. Yeah, would would our second goal have been there as a third goal? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was really just picking up what uh, Peter said. Yeah, you're right, um, with regard to missing the chances, but I, I mean, there's two things. One is the the old adage: um, you've got to be there to, you've got to be in the right place to to be scoring when he's getting in the right places, which is great. And the second thing is he had, it does have the ability to actually score those goals. I think it's one of those things that he's just going through that period, but he's not oh, doing oh, it. But we, absolutely, but we, but, but we know he can do it. It's not as though we're asking him. We, we're giving him balls, which he just hasn't got the the technical yeah. ability to, to convert. I'm not suggesting um, he's not worth his place in the team. He's been superb yeah. this and it's just, it's just really weird that he's literally, I mean, he hasn't mm-hmm. had loads of chances, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, the man knew one and he had the one, yeah. and he obviously yeah. won the penalty at West Ham and he won when he would have gone on to potentially score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he won, and then he's had one on Saturday. But outside that, I'm not sure he's had really many, what I would call really good chances or even no. hard chances. It's yeah. been mainly the, the way Potter played was not allowing that. Hopefully with the Zerbi in charge, he'll get more chances like that. And yeah, we'll take them and probably just needs one to hopefully go on a run then from then. Yeah. I do think, I think that we're not, we're not play, we haven't created that many chances for him. I don't know how much of that is him not finding the spaces he should do or whether it's the way we're playing hasn't allowed him to be able to do that. I don't really know. But I do think if he, if he starts to get chances more regularly, as he you know, partly did on Saturday, he had a better header, which was more just a good save late, late in the game, didn't he, as well, which we'll come to later. But, um, yeah, I, I think... If he if he gets enough chances more regularly, then he can start to get match sharp and get his eye and get his confidence up with his finishing. Because he is a good finisher, I think he's a decent enough finisher. Um, yeah. Going back to uh, to Sanchez, I mean, he's uh, I mean that's it was like a Superman pose, really, wasn't it? <laughs> he came out with his fist and missed it completely. But uh, I don't notice the day before actually that uh, we just got another uh, a senior or first team goalkeeping coach. He's got his work permit, which is part of Deserve's old team. And he's actually, I think he's actually Spanish. So, um, 
hopefully, hopefully he's going to work well with uh, Sanchez and they get on because uh, I think Sanchez apparently was very, very particularly upset when Ben Roberts left, from what I've heard. So uh, he was in tears apparently. So yeah, so hopefully this guy's going to come in and build up a, you know, Mm. a good repartee with him and uh, and work with him uh, with with the way that RDZ wants to work. Yeah, especially especially as um, the Chelsea goalkeepers do leave a bit to be desired, and I think Ben Roberts might improve them well enough that they won't need a new goalie. But if they if they do, they might try and come calling. And if we've you know if he's settled in with a new guy by by then, um, Sanchez, and hopefully that won't be an issue. But again, it's Chelsea, isn't it? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah. Mm. He's he is prone to the occasional error, and he did have one, and it was a bad one because it cost us a goal um, on Saturday. But he, as you said, he made some good saves as well. And I think over time, as he settles in, and as you said, if he if he can work with this goalkeeping coach, hopefully he'll continue to improve his game, and that will become less and less of an issue within his game. Those mistakes. He's still very young for a keeper, and relatively few, but a few appearances as well. Exactly. Yeah, people. Probably still do forget that a little bit, I think, because he came through the youth ranks. He was, you know, he broke in at a young age, and he still is a young goalkeeper. And goalkeepers have a long, a longer career potentially as well, don't they? So, you know, long. A I long think he was also time. so dominant that half season he came in that hmm. the fact that he he has maybe shown himself a little bit error prone over the last year and a bit has maybe made people have commented on it more because he was so dominant that first half season. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, a quick word on the uh, press conference, by the way, you mentioned. So, interestingly, this is the, the pre-match press conference. Um, so, again, he spoke in English, and they did speak a bit more in English. And, and as Alan mentioned, he, he, he singled out Solly as one of the people he'd been working a lot with. He did actually list quite a few players in the end, didn't he? He said, oh, I've been talking with the three defenders, and then uh, this, that, and the other, and he just carried on going. <laughs> he seemed to be, I thought he was going to list the whole team in the end, but he did, you're right, he did list list those, but he did speak a bit more in English. Um, I've since been hearing that his English is pretty good, and, you know, it's a, it's more a case if he's just going in a bit more casually. A little, shades of Bielsa, Bielsa to a degree. He did use the uh, translator in the latter part of the pre-match press conference. Um, but, you know, I, I think I've got the impression he's already improving his English since he's been here. Um, he looks like he's a sharp um, a sharp one. So uh, I'm sure that will be the case. I don't think it's an issue, to be honest at all. But um, uh, So that was that. Um, there was also um, Guy Mowbray. Uh, I, I noticed, I recorded all the bits from the weekend while I was away, and Guy Mowbray on Football Focus said, uh, it's all about the four Ps with Deserbi, which was, uh, I think you said, possession, pressing, passion, and more possession. <laughs> so, um, yeah. However, we didn't get more than 50% possession in this first game under his uh, charge, 46%, according to the BBC. Um, it didn't feel like it. I did... Also watch, um, I recorded the Game of the Day rerun on Sky, which wasn't specified in advance. So I recorded it in case it was picked. I thought it might be. And to that degree, I, I put a bet on a 4-3 a defeat and a 3 all draw. So I won some money on the 3 all draw. Um, and of course, because it was a 3 all draw, it was picked as Game of the Day. So I watched the whole match back on Sky, which was handy. Um, much as the commentators were irritating uh, with some loads of bias. You know, Sanchez isn't good on the ball, for example. Liverpool were just bad defensively for our goals, apparently, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, it, it didn't feel as if um, Liverpool had the 54% possession, uh, 54% possession that they did, which is 
interesting. It's maybe a, an optical illusion. Who knows? Peter, you're itching to come in on that. On, on Deservey, I was going to say, I like the, this comment. It might have been Guy Mowbray as well about it's like Potter on five shots of espresso, which I thought was quite funny. Oh, yeah, he um, did. <laughs> and I think it's, I mean, I understand that people, you know, both Hutton and Potter were very, very quite quiet managers. And I'm not saying I want manager who's going to go and scream in people's faces and that sort of thing. But there's something quite entertaining about watching a manager who gets involved and celebrates goals and that sort of thing. Whereas both Hutton and Potter were relatively quiet when they did it. I mean, Potter even apologised to Guardiola when he celebrated a bit against Man City. I mean, no manager ever does that. It's ridiculous. You know, it's like, so I think it will be quite nice. To have like, yeah, this whole, his whole bench were up apparently for all three goals. I've seen the tip of the yeah. third, but I read somewhere else they're up for all three goals. And I mean, there's going to be so many of them anyway. There's about 20 of them or something now, isn't yeah. it? So. Yeah. Well, well, I've also got, I've got to ask Alan, or we'll go through all the, the sequence of the goals and all that stuff in a minute, but just the, the general stuff that was going on in the game, having been able to watch the whole match back, I'm really pleased I did because I noticed uh, a lot of interesting bits were missing, obviously, from the shorter highlight version mm-hmm. um, that they also ran. Uh, there's going to be some shithousing going on, isn't there, with him? There's several things I noticed. Um, first of all, there's a thing that's gone around on Twitter, which I, I spotted in the game. Sanchez kicked it, and it went out oh. of the face, right where Deserby was. And he did like a, he sort of curved his foot outwards and hit it with the outside of his left foot and caught it, which was obviously a bit of flair. But not only that, he then two-handedly just dropped the ball away from the Liverpool player that wanted to receive it for the throw-in. Not far enough to get into trouble with the ref, but enough to slightly annoy them. And I noticed some of the way, some of the way we were playing seemed to be frustrating Liverpool, so they were getting annoyed in general. There was a little bit of niggly crap going on from us, which I'm, I can't say I approve of it, but I do approve of it because <laughs> I think we've been missing that from the game. Yes, Not the club yeah. in the game, but everyone else does it. We too nice. To- yeah, too nice. I don't think we're going to be too nice under him. I wonder what your impression of that is, Alan, from in the ground, how much of that you, this sort of stuff you noticed. Um, and are there any other observations kind of on the side, line, on, on the side of it that you think you might have seen in the game which may not have got noticed by any of the TV coverage? Uh, well, I've, once, I mean, I can pick up on this shithousery thing you mentioned. Uh, we, we, we seem to be being booed for time-wasting quite early on in the first half, actually, yeah. which I didn't think was that bad. And, and Purvis actually got booked for it. He did, didn't he? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So that's something I'm not quite used to uh, from us in the past. We were slowing sure. it down, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Just a bit. Just a bit. The, the, the other thing I observed with that, I was watching Ardizo quite a bit just to see how he behaved on the touchline. And he was quite gesticulating quite a bit. And also, also the other thing, which I'm surprised he was allowed to get away with, he was actually standing outside the technical area a lot. Yeah. So it was uh, close, actually, I noticed. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah. closer to the touchline, outside the technical area, and he was standing there for a lot of the time, and they weren't pulling him back. But the funny, the funny thing, which I thought was really funny, and it's just really something I've noticed with the interpreter, <laughs> because. When you look at the interp- when you look at the interpreter, ever since the first press conference they had, he looked he looks at uh, Deserby like he's some kind of proud teacher who's looking, he's kind of smiling as Deserby saying the words. It's it's uh, as oh yes, you you said that correctly. Yes, you 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 did follow what I had to say. And uh, and the funny thing was when on that equaliser, if you notice when when Deserby does a little kind of jiggy jumpy thing, oh yeah, as he runs it across the clock and comes back. If you look to the right hand side, you'll see the interpreter. Jumps up in the air and does a quick punch up in the, into the air. <laughs> so he's he's well in, he's well in, he's well uh, well in, involved in uh, 
in the Brighton project, I think, uh, moving yeah. forward. So, I think it's safe to say I'm going to enjoy games against Palace a little bit more, just, just for the antics. I'm sure there's going to be stuff going on in those games. I, I imagine it's been made clear to him already about the rivalry and everything else. And um, if it is, then that, that could be quite entertaining, can't it? I think he's going mm. to be their, their new favourite hate figure, uh, taking over from Dunk, probably. But the thing, yeah. the thing with him is, there's, nothing, he's quite, there's something kind of mild-mannered about him as well at the same time, which is quite disarming. Maybe that's why he's getting away with this stuff he doesn't look he doesn't have the aggressive or you know spitting feathers or bulging eye type no thing going on he's just doing stuff yeah <laughs> he's but, he, but he's but i think you, but you you use the word earlier on which i think is is a good word he's very sharp he comes across as a very sharp cookie yeah um he's, you know in his interviews i mean when he's when when he's being asked a question in english you can tell he's listening and he's understanding and yeah. occasionally he does choose sometimes to answer it but he kind of he's very quick once he's heard the question to convert that into an answer. <laughs> yes, and, yeah, and, a, and, and, and a good answer. Yeah, um, which quite often, obviously, he's using the commentator. Uh, sorry, the interpreter interpreter mm. to uh, to to translate for him. But uh, but you can see there's a little bit of a sparkle in his eyes, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I know that. There's been links made, made with Pep, hasn't there, about him knowing him, seeking advice, this, that, and the other. But he, I think there's a lot of similarities too. They're similar sort of um, kind of frame physically, but also he, they're both very fidgety, hyperactive. They don't, won't sit still. They've got constantly things on their mind, things they want to project to the players, things they're probably thinking about they want to to plan to do. You look at there was footage of the training, of course, this week as well, um, or last week, I should say, uh, in the run up to the game. And he's, you know, he's very proactive. He's he's demonstrating what he wants them to do in the certain warm ups and routines. You know, he's fully engaged as well. Looks like he could still play the game, to be honest, uh, to a pretty high standard. Um, I think I think we're going to love this guy. I think we're really going to love him. He's, he's already yeah. won me, not won me over, because I was already uh, enthusiastic for the notion of him anyway. But, you know, I, th- I think he's, he's going to win everybody over if they haven't, or if he hasn't already done so. Um, yeah. Because think, can I, can he's can I just, as well. That's a winning combination. Sorry, Amber. Yeah. So I was just going to add, I mean, just, uh, on the, just to finish off there, really, I think, I mean, obviously, Graham Potter and, and his team had a very good, relationship with the players you know they've they've there was a lot of good feeling so obviously when Potter left there was a lot of disappointment there so it's going to be very it was was is it was is going to be very important for RDZ really to to kind of get that bonding going and I think obviously it helps with the the performance and the result on Saturday to kind of take the players minds off the past and look to to this new team that's there really uh, yeah, there seemed to be a lot of kind of high fiving and hugging and stuff like that going on around, you know, around the uh, the touchline after the game. So uh, yeah, hopefully it's uh, you know we can move on in a positive way. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say actually the same thing. Um, the curative powers of Mister RDZ, you could yeah. say, um, it's yeah. just just the medicine we needed, wasn't it? Really, because I think he's going to be in some senses, a combination of Gus and Graham, I think. Um, Gus Poyet, you know, he was the sort of the cult hero manager. People liked his persona. He added colour and interest from the touchline. Did get himself sent off on 
his Amex debut, which was quite funny. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was seen going purple a few times on, on the dugout. <laughs> um, so you've got that kind of element. I don't think he's going to be quite as bad as that. And hopefully he's not going to keep talking about other jobs he wants all the way through his Brighton career, uh, Roberto. But yeah. um, there's elements of Gus within him that I do like. But there's also the, I think, the, the greater intelligence and flair for tactical nails that I think Graham possesses over Gus dare I say it, um, which I think Roberto clearly looks like he's got. Yeah. Got off to a great start because, I mean, we've got the excitement of going two goals up at Anfield, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But also, you know, we, it was a draw, so we didn't, we're not going to get too carried away because it is only one point in the end. Maybe that, in a weird sort of way, might help us at this point as well. I think everything could just go completely <laughs> over the top otherwise, couldn't it? If we'd have won 3-0 or 3-1 or 4-1 or something... You know, it would just go through the roof, wouldn't it, really? And um, and then there's only one way, one way from there, probably. But I think this is it's a very good result. Um, I do think we, you know, we, we could have seen out the results. But then again, you know, you're playing Liverpool. And Klopp, in his post-match uh, thing today, Monday, um, was talking about... He was very complimentary, also before the game in his press conference. He was very complimentary about us saying you know, they find it difficult to get results against us, that we're a very good team under both managers. Um, and he was complimentary about Roberto. He did call him Francesco at one point during the interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, nonetheless. Um, but, you know, he, he does have a lot of respect for the team. And to have a manager of his calibre talking about how great Brighton are is, is, is superb. And what he said was, and I don't think this was an excuse, I think it was a genuine point, that he didn't really know what to expect. He obviously knew roughly what the team would be, but not exactly. He didn't know what elements of new style or tactics would be imposed on, on the Anfield in that first game. And he did say he felt able to get back into the game once he'd sussed out a bit of what the tactics were. And he then set about a different way of trying to adapt to, uh, to, to what we'd done to get back into the game. But he said it was more of a fight than a, a clever tactical thing that, that got them back mm. into the game, just showing determination, trying to address some of the things that we were doing which were causing them problems. Um, mm. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's a great sign, you know. And, but shame we couldn't see out the result. But we had the, the, the last laugh, didn't we? We got the last goal, which... Um, also, it's very satisfying. Just quickly on the stats, 54% possession Liverpool to our 46. They had 15 shots in the end to our six, seven on target to our, to our six. Interesting stat there. All of our shots were on target, according to the BBC. Um, they had nine corners to our two, um, and they had they committed nine fouls. We committed 13, apparently. Um, so uh, there, there we go on that score. Um, Ratings-wise, I think obviously everyone uh, gave us, I think, top billing from our side of it, which was uh, Trossard, of course. Um, Wellbeck, who, as I mentioned earlier, did have a good game with lots of link-up. And then Grosh and Dunk, I think, came, and McAllister came next. Oh, and March, actually, all together. Caicedo very close behind. Um, there was a lot of interesting bits going on with cover. I think because we're likely to get more exposed at the back under Deserbi's football, um, that certain players were covering in certain areas. At one point, Mr Pinyan came in with a, a right-footed, brilliant tackle um, on towards the right side of the ground. At, at least, I think that's, if I'm remembering correctly. Another one, Caicedo, a brilliant uh, block, uh, sort of recovery tackle as well. People were, were getting involved. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There was somebody else from further forward that did something as well. They, none of them were in their, necessarily their normal positions when they made the recovery tackles, which is great to see. There was a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of running, a lot of 
determination. We looked so fast to any loose balls and we were really pressing them uh, very heavily as well. So it was like two heavyweight boxers going at each other in some ways, which is uh, mm-hmm. right. Um, Peter, were you going to say something on like, general points on the game or should we start running through the goals? Yeah, go through the goals. I'm, I've yeah, nothing particularly to add to that. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as you said, Alan, we got off to a fantastic start, wasn't it? Just four minutes in, Trossard gets the first goal. Um, shall I leave it to you to describe? I mean, how good was it? And, you know, it, it was a great goal, wasn't it? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, um, it, there was a, a lot of passing moves. Uh, my recollection for now is really just picking up with something I said about Solly. I mean, he, he got the ball, but he crossed it quite quickly and early. Um, so, yeah. uh, and then, of course, it came, it came back out, and then we had this kind of press again where we kind of stole the ball. And uh, it's a beautiful touch by Backhill by Webster. Um, and the, and it, when it went to um, Trossard, but uh, Trossard still had some work to do, and he did. He had a quick, quick interchange with his with his two feet, yeah. and slammed in the back of the net with his left. Yeah, or, or so, momentarily he lost control of it, according to the commentator. Which uh, no, no way. If you look at that, the, yeah, he was <laughs> no, he didn't yeah. lose control of it. I mean, it was, uh, no, that was rubbish. Yeah. yeah, he moved it to his right foot, then played it back, oh. and uh, and slammed it into the back of the net. Well past uh, Allison, and you—I mean, so for someone like Allison, you need to really hit it hard, and low, and away from him because he's such a good goalkeeper. I mean, yeah. you have to do—you have to do well to beat him. So yeah, that was—it's uh, really good. I'm not—I can't really recall actually what happened before how March actually got the ball before then. I'm sorry. So if, yeah, if you've got something to add there. There was a bit, bit of build up from midfield. I think um can't remember who who passed where, but it ended up with a, a ball out, a neat ball out to Solly. I think he cut inside and immediately but quite a way out from goal, cut inside and, and clipped his left footed ball across. And I think was that the one where Trent headed the ball out and uh McAllister yeah, and Henderson missed that yeah. in the area. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, Callister yeah. kind of he, he picked it up and touched it, but then yeah. he ran beyond. Fader kind of poked it away from Henderson, didn't he? And then yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Callister yeah. was the loose runner to draw one of the defenders away, and it just created the space. Great finish and um, hugely uh, superb start to the game. Once we got to the seventeenth minute, and picture the scene: I'm in a, a a pub in Newcastle trying to follow the game on a Sky Sports screen. Suddenly, we're seeing seventeen minutes gone. We're we're two 0 up, and it's Trossard again. Um, we've been hearing reports of other chances beforehand. Um, I don't know, actually, Alan, anything... Well, we had the Welbeck chance, didn't we, before that, when it was 1-0. Uh, the header straight at the goalie, got into a yep. good position, got a solid header, but a very, very straight at Allison type of Straight header. at Allison, yeah. But that was, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, that was another good move. There was another good move with Gross where he uh, he could have, at the end, with Gross could have shot, but he kind of dallied a little bit and he didn't fizzle mm. out. But before then, it was kind of a, quite a good little move because... Beltman, I think, kind of uh, slid the dummy on uh, on Thiago um, at the back, and uh, and they made a good pass up to. I think, uh, I think, I think it was Solly he passed to. That was quite a good move. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it was, uh, we had some uh, some good chances. I mean, you mentioned uh, there were six six shots on goal. I think they've been all recorded as big chances on the, on the analysis. So they're all good. What they call big chances, uh, and we hit the target with all six as well. We hit, hit the target, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and 
Yeah, so I was I was just hearing bits of information, hearing about these chances, the fact we could have been three goals up or something like that, and it's one nil. Beyond excited, and then as I said, seventeenth minute, <laughs> it is two nil. Trossard scored again, um, and again it was from a similar position in the field on the field. Um, this is the one, as you said, where uh, Welbeck lays it off, nice little brush ball inside. Solly adjusts his body, gets a a tap with his left foot straight into the path of Trossard, who reads that straight away, starts to turn his body and get ready for the shot and absolutely wallops it into the same far corner that he'd scored with the first one. A great goal, probably a better goal in in terms of the actual finish. Um, You say about uh, strikers, Peter, we need to get goals from Welbeck. You could pretty much argue Trossard is is a striker in in a sense, in the way that Salah is, I guess, Um, a wider attacker generally, although he he can play central. But here he is, you know, in centre-forward positions for two goals, boom, boom, both goals straight away. And um, the third one probably is more from a Salah position. We'll get to that one later. But, um, yeah, those two goals, great finishes. He is a really good finisher, isn't he? Yeah, but this this came this came from uh, I think Welbeck kind of uh, jumped uh, above uh, I think it was Arnold actually and yeah. headed it down to Purvis. Then yeah. Welbeck made a run, Purvis passed it forward, uh, and then obviously Welbeck picked the ball up and then he slid the ball through to uh, Solly. Nice little soft touch and uh, Bob Jungle. Yeah, as it, as it were. Yeah. Yep. A lot of the same sort of good play that we had against, say, for example, Leicester last game under Potter. Lots of mobility, lots of movements, lots of sort of snap to the play as well, which is great and really good to see. Um, talk a bit about our our, our equaliser later. Which I thought there was an element to that which I love, which we'll come to in a second. But um, Peter, what do you make of the second goal? Yeah, really, really well taken. People saying that about Alisson, but I think it was just hit so fast that it was like it didn't really have yeah. time to react. I think probably, um, but the way we yeah we we open them up with that was brilliant and yeah again Alexander Arnold was blamed and Van Dijk as well as were criticised but you know sometimes teams should just like kind of accept that they've been you know undone by a good play and I think yeah there was suggestion much today that Alisson might might have done better but I think it just hit so quickly that oh, there wasn't yeah. much you could do about it barely moved. Yeah. I think if you hit the ball early, that's one of the key ingredients yeah. to beating good goalkeepers at fairly close quarters, isn't it? Let's if it wasn't for Alisson, we'd have been out of sight by half-time, so they can't really, no one can really criticise yeah. him. Yeah. And it's probably... Uh, it, yeah. Sorry, go on, Alan. Yeah, yeah sorry. I was going to say, it was interesting, uh, before the game, and they were talking about uh, Liverpool's uh, poor, poor start to the season, one of the excuses they gave was the fact that... Uh, um, and particularly with Arnold, was the fact that he didn't have Matip supporting him on the mm. left side of the of the central defence. Sorry, on the right hand side of central defence. Um, and Matip was actually played played uh, on that particular match on Saturday, so he didn't really make <laughs> a lot of difference. He's had a um, he's had a struggle some time of it uh, this season. Definitely, his mojo's gone a bit. I think it's the way Liverpool are playing as well. I don't think they're being as effective going forward as they have been in the past. And they rely so heavily on the attack, the high press, winning the ball back further up the field and just having obviously a load of possession, but a load of intensity in games as well, that um, it can hide the weaknesses in, in Trent Alexander's game, which is obviously the defending. He's not the greatest defender. He's not bad, no. but he, uh, he's off form and he's not the best. So that that combination means... He's exposable. And that's where we got our joy, wasn't it, on that side? If Liverpool are on form, 
then, you know, they have the ball so much that actually the fact that he doesn't defend that well is, is pretty irrelevant. But if it, you know, and he spends most of his time in opposition half, which he's very good at, it wouldn't overly surprise me if Alexander Arnold ended up, although there's less call for it than, you know, in a 4-3-3, but ended up in a wide midfield sort of position sort of thing. You know, he kind of, he, he's much better going forward and he can provide cover then, but he doesn't have to. Or I suppose an obvious situation is a wing back or something like that as well. But yeah, yeah. He's, as a, as a right back, he's, he doesn't have the defensive qualities that you really need to be at that sort of top level, really, I'd say. But he is a brilliant player going forward, which is why he gets away with it. Yeah. yeah. Also, why Southgate doesn't pick him, because Southgate doesn't, you know, he does like quite defensive players. And Yeah. And they play, obviously, a bit different to Liverpool. So, therefore, he's not going to get the benefits of that in a different team that's playing better than Liverpool are at the moment either. So uh, they certainly aren't playing any better, that's for sure, at the moment, England. Um, we'll get on to that more, I'm sure, another time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that was that. Um, at this point, Alan, you're in the grounds. Obviously, good atmosphere is an away, an away ground anyway, it always is. But going one and then two goals up and, and maybe a number of other goals could have gone in in the meantime, what was the atmosphere like at this point? Oh, I mean, the Liverpool supporters were getting pretty, pretty, pretty agitated, particularly close to us. I was watching it because obviously we yeah. were, were, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I saw there was one bit, wasn't there, where we were, because we were playing this ball around at the back so audaciously. There's one bit where we did give the ball away. It went under someone's foot and out of play. And they, there was a very loud roar of sarcastic applause from the Liverpool fans, which would have been away to your right side. Um, yeah, is that what right. you're talking about? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, of course we were teasing them a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Van Dyke's Van Dykes have shit uh, Lewis Dunk, and uh, <laughs> you're going to get sacked in the morning to <laughs> to Klopp. Oh, <laughs> bit harsh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it was uh, it was nice. So uh, obviously they obviously when they uh, when they did equalise, then uh, the tables turned a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they looked very glum, and obviously you had the usual kind of. Um, Walk off the walk out the ground five yeah. minutes before the end. So yeah. uh, the Cheerio stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Cheerio and Fire Drill songs were coming out. Uh, um, yeah. Didn't hear they, they were singing the um, song about Deserbi. I think it's to oh Deserbi, but I couldn't hear what the little up bit was. Were they singing Bobby? Because I'm, I'm trying to think what else would scan. It can't be Robert, can it? Was... Yeah, it was. It did sound more like Bobby. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. kind of picking That's... up. And, that's what that's what I was singing. That's what I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> That'll yeah, do the job. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there'll be other things besides as well. We'll come over time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's good. Um, so superb starts the game, but of course, um, the, the reason that we uh, we conceded the lead uh, was because we changed pubs up in Newcastle. That'll be why we were tuning up when we left there. We had to mobilise ourselves elsewhere because the the amount of music being played really loudly middle of the afternoon was kind of we couldn't really talk uh it was it was distracting so we moved pubs back to the delightful lady gray in newcastle uh and just as we got there it went back to one with bobby another bobby bobby Firmino, as liverpool fans call him uh getting the first of his two goals 33rd minute which was obviously a disappointment given the way that the first half had unfolded until that point. Um, I think this was the one that was, um, there was a VAR on the potential of an offside, wasn't it? It was, a, yeah, it was originally given as offside. Yeah. And it was very, very tight, but quite honestly, you know, in other seasons that might have been given as offside potentially. I don't really have a problem with it when it's that tight. I think that's where the advantage should go to the attacker. I don't know if that's the reasoning they've come up with to decide not uh, to, to decide to allow the goal, but um, 
Uh, I, I don't really have any qualms with that. I mean, I don't know. I'm presuming you've seen it back, Alan, and obviously, Peter, you've seen it. What, what are your thoughts on that? It was just, it was Webster's foot. I mean, it was just uh, very, very slight. I mean, yeah. you know, at the end, if there was no VAR, then it would have been offside. I don't think they, the Liverpool players were particularly uh, didn't have didn't particularly have a big problem with it. I don't think yeah. at the time. Did, I did, did the flag go did the flag go up before the, it was the, the flag went up, yes. Yeah. The flag went up. So everybody, yeah. if that, everybody, as we all thought it was soft side, that was it. So you get the usual kind of chance. But uh, unfortunately, yeah. then BAR came up on the screen and we had to wait. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was marginally offside by a foot. Yeah. And it's that thing a of foot, a you... foot, a foot in the physical sense of the word, yeah. rather than a foot yeah. in distance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could be the same thing. Or a toe. A toe should... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the body shape as well, because Firmino sort of turned backwards and was, a bit, was just in the process of just timing to turn and run. And Webster was kind of on the back foot, so to speak, in that sense, wasn't he? So it's very marginal. But as soon as that's given, it, it was obviously going to be away and no problem at all. And he's a good finisher. Uh, people kind of forget it a bit because he's one of a number at Liverpool and doesn't actually score a huge amount of goals. But when he's in those positions, he's a good finisher and, and put it away. And um, that was half time. Um, well, I don't know. I can't remember if anything else eventful happened at the rest of the first half. Um, what was the, the general vibe like within the crowd and also on the pitch? Do you detect any nerves from going, uh, from seeing your lead halved or? Do you think we just carried on as if... Yeah, I mean, well, I can only speak for myself, really. I mean, I was obviously pleased it was 2-1. It was disappointing we we conceded just before half-time, but we were still 2-1 up. So yeah. I think from, from the Liverpool supporters' point of view, you know, it was good for them to score at that point because, you know, they felt as though they were back into the game. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was OK. I mean, yeah. I mean, just going back to, to, that, uh, to that goal, uh, I mean, Dunk, I thought, did really well. To try and block, block his shot, which is unfortunate. He kind of dropped that a little bit too early, and Firmino saw it and just clipped it over the top. A little bit disappointed that Webster didn't react a little bit more because I think he he could have gone in the way as well. He was almost like watching Dunk to see what he was going to do. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one of those things. But yeah, it was a good goal. It was a, it's a lovely touch by Salah. To be honest with you, once he yep. mm-hmm. to, yeah. to pass it around to Sanchez. So uh, yeah. yeah these these teams, you know, even when they're not at the best form, they can still hurt you if you give them opportunities or or you allow them or, or they cleverly get past you one way or another. Um, it's always going to be dangerous. And, you know, they've got, as I said, they've got good finishers. And if they're in those positions, they've got the savvy, haven't they, as you said, to, to anticipate what defenders may do. And uh, unfortunately, he did score and that was that Uh, well that was the end of the first half and I think that's going to be the end of the first half of the podcast as well so if we take a short break there we'll talk about the second half and any other business in part two Uh, but time for a quick tea break so back with part two and uh, the second half of the game as well, part two of the match. Um, Alan, we, we didn't, it, it, things took a turn for the worst second half, didn't they? Um, Firmino got his second goal in the 54th minute and um, Webster then unfortunately conceded an own goal, 63rd minute, but unlucky with that as well. Talk us through those. What, what did you make of those goals? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to recall because unfortunately I haven't really had a chance to look at the uh, the rerun. So I'm, I, I've, I mean, obviously Liverpool came out with an intention and a, and a little bit more fired up by Mr. Klopp 
I'm not quite sure what he actually adjusted, but basically, uh, what I can remember is that he's a fantastic bit of tu- a little touch by um, by Firmino to set him up himself up for the goal. It was a very quick feat. Yeah, a little bit a little bit similar to uh, to to, to Trossard, if you like. I mean, the way he kind of controlled the ball. Uh, it was a, it, basically they brought on Diaz in the second half, which I think he made a difference, and he's the one who actually picked up the ball and he stretched. Uh, he was stretching um, Beltman a little bit at that point. And, uh, yeah, he passed the ball into Firmino. Uh, it was unfortunate. Um, you could see Firmino was, uh, if you looked at the rerun, he, he seemed to have quite a bit of space. You could, you, could, you could see that Dunk was kind of trucking back and he was kind of looking at him, but he wasn't kind of getting close to him. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, none of the midfielders were kind of coming in until the last minute. I think uh, Caicedo came in, came in a little bit too late. And so, really, Firmino really picked up the ball in quite a bit of space, managed to kind of... Do a little bit of a one-two with his, with his feet and then uh, slide it in. So it was a nice little a little goal, really. Yeah. yeah. And um, and the own goal, um, a bit unfortunate. I think uh, Webster just got his back in the way, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Liverpool had this had this a little spell over this period of time when they had a few a few chances. Um, and I felt that Purvis was was starting to lose a bit of concentration, really. I think he does struggle with this. I'm not sure whether it's a it's a problem that can be fixed or whether it's uh, just a problem for him, whether it's just an energy issue. But he does seem to lose concentration sometimes and uh, and gets out of position. So that's something to watch, I think. Yeah. Um, but the second goal, yeah, it was, came from, uh, I think we gave away a corner. I think it was uh, Webster, I think, who cleared the ball, put it out. And then, uh, then we had this aberration really from Sanchez. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously the sun was still quite low. Hmm. So he's probably a little bit in his eyes, a little bit, although I haven't said that, obviously he's looking away from the sun at that point. Yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, he, the ball came in and he just seemed to fly with his fist and miss it completely. Yeah. And, well, it's interesting and the, to say that. And that I know in a different way, this has ended with a draw in the same way that we had, we scored the Enoch and Wepu goal, uh, where he looped it up. I think deliberate, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, and it went up high and definitely went in the uh, the eyes of the goalie, uh, which affected whether he was able to stop it, whether he would have been able to or not. I don't know. I think it was Neil Atkinson was talking about that. And it's ironic that that's happened to us <laughs> just after yeah. it was mentioned in the pre-ball. Yeah, um, but of course, the ball came past uh, Sanchez. I don't think Webster really expected it to come, get, get to him. And it just hit his back, I think, or something and just went into the net. So it was just one of those unfortunate... Yeah. Situations really they can do anything about it, so that was that was a shame, and then obviously that made it three uh, two. The Liverpool supporters were very much up for it. Then they felt that they had won the match, <laughs> yeah. uh, and things changed from there really. Because I think after that goal, I think we we took control again. It's yeah, interesting. Think... Klopp said he was never comfortable at three two. He never felt. I mean, I know you can never be comfortable with one goal lead anyway, but you feel yeah, was, that you're Liverpool normally you feel in that situation you should go on and maybe win 4-2 or something like that because you're you know I mean, we, we, we aren't as good you know on paper their team is better and they've got the momentum from scoring you know three in a row or whatever yeah. you know yeah. on paper you'd expect them to go on and push forward and try and get that fourth and finish the game off and yeah it yeah. sounded like we, we took over instead yeah but I think it was an interesting because I think I said to uh, to a couple of people next to me I said this before the game I thought one of the Interesting things for us with Deserby is actually what he does with his substitutions. Uh, because obviously he picked a team that was the same lineup apart from the fact that Mueka wasn't there for, for the starting lineup. But obviously during the game, he would have to make substitutions to 
try and change a game or something. So it was going to be interesting to see which which players players he picked. Because yeah. he could have gone, he could have gone, gone totally differently. He could have seen something from Mexico or something like that, and thought, "Well, I'm going to put him on or something like that." But he, he actually stuck with the, the what you would have, would have expected Potter to have done. Yeah, he put uh, Lalana on Matoma, and uh, later on, later on, um, Lamptey. So yeah. yeah, I would say that's very Potterish. Yeah, Potterish and substitutions. Absolutely, and you're right. Three. Klopp definitely did. Um, he did. He did um, say something in the, in the post match about that. Oh, oh, sorry, in the the press conference today about how um, you, Brian's response straight away. He he felt that yeah, this game's definitely not over, and he knew they were they were going to be up against it. Um, the goal, by the way, the goals we scored, and obviously we'll come on to finally talking about the the Trossard hat trick clincher and points clincher um, in a moment. Um, one or two stats I've looked at, shot zones for this match, 100% of our shots, which of course is a 50% success ratio, six shots, three of them goals, um, 100% of them come came in the penalty area, but outside the six-yard box. Um, for Liverpool, 80%, uh, again, none inside the six-yard box, 20% from outside. I can't remember exactly where on the pitch they were, but they had a couple of cracking misses, didn't they? Um, Alexander-Arnold hit one well wide, I think it was in the, uh, in the first half, and then Salah... Uh, later on as well to spoon one into space as well so um, their sh- shooting wasn't as great uh, and I think that's what kept us in the game and as you, as you said we got that uh, that goal things did change we kept at them we kept them on the back foot we looked as likely as, as not to score Trossard did get that goal and um, it was a great goal what I liked about this there was some passing around at the back and Dunk played what looked like a pretty risky sideways ball to Adam Webster, and you could see, I can't remember who the sub was that was doing it, I think I've got a feeling it was Diaz, although it wasn't his bit of the field, but um, whoever it was was anticipating that pass, ran immediately, couldn't have gone faster towards it, just had enough to avoid him, and then Webster did it. It was Salah, wasn't it? It was Salah. It was Salah. Yeah, 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 because they talked about him match today, about the fact he he wasn't, it was that and another one that were basically not good enough tackle attempts at tackles. Yeah, because he, uh, yeah, he, he was, that's right. It would make, make sense if it was Salah from his position on the field. And Webster did a little kind of slight body movement to adjust himself. Straight forward, a few passes later, Mittimer involved as well. And uh, the ball comes down to the byline, it's, it's crossed. And um, interesting, uh, by the way, it was a 17-pass move. If you don't count the slight touch that... Uh, it was Van Dijk, I think, got on the ball, wasn't it? And and the attempt by Webster to, uh, sorry, by Welbeck to turn it into a into a goal. Um, yeah, the ball came to the bar, crossed inside. Van Dijk got a slight touch on it, which put Webster. Uh, oh, sorry again, Welbeck off, who was trying to hit it. But what that did, it left the unmarked Trossard at the far post uh, to just whack it in. Uh, good finish again, decisive. Yeah, no, he hit it hard enough that it really didn't give Allison a chance. He nearly saved it, but uh, in the end, he couldn't keep it out. A good finish, great goal. The only thing that was missing was the thing that we haven't mentioned yet from the first two goals, the classic goal celebration, which, by the way, we were doing all night in Newcastle, <laughs> the uh, complete perplexion of a number of locals, <laughs> all sorts of poses in various places. Uh, yeah, the, the, the two hands up to the eyes. Um, uh, he did that for the first two. He didn't for the third. He went for a classic knee slide. Um, but um, I'm not complaining. <laughs> That's fine. And we had, as I said, that first hat-trick at Anfield by any opposing player since, shall we now reveal? Who's going with it? Andre Arshavin. Oh, <laughs> I, 
and that it has Shevin, probably. I just made that up. I don't know if that's right or not. Uh, yeah, I, which, if I remember, were all four goals were equalised <coughs> as Liverpool were pushing for the title. Was it the Brendan Rodgers season? No, I'm not, not sure. sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, it might have been Benitez, actually. I don't know. Benitez was manager. But, um, uh, yeah, four equalisers. Can you believe that? Scores all four. None of them mm. to even take the lead. Um, mm. If you've scored four goals in a game, as a team or as a player, you expect you'd come away with something more than a point, wouldn't you? But uh, mm. yeah, not to be. So yes, yep. I don't know who the other ones were before. But uh, anyway, uh, three all. So the crowd went mad, I presume, Ali? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, mayhem, <laughs> as they say. So yeah, it was a fantastic end. But uh, the thing is with uh, with Trossard's goal, I mean, he he actually uh, hit the deck. He hit the, hit the ground as he, he struck the ball and it hit the, hit the ground and it bounced off. And I think obviously that 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 bamboozled uh, Allison completely. He just he just basically flipped up over the top of him, hit the hit the crossbar and went in. So uh, yeah. it was a great it was a great strike. I mean it was it was a great move. Um, I'm 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 looking at Matoma now. I'm just wondering. I mean I think there was some debate as to whether he should start or not. And when you look at him, mm. and then you compare him to someone like Diaz, I'm not saying he's as good as Diaz, but He's he's looking at that kind of player that can do something on that left hand side, yeah, something different. I so, love. Uh, I think he's brilliant. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Whether he's got the same lashing foot as Diaz has cutting in is is, is maybe a different matter. He did score a goal by breaking forward and cutting in for Japan, didn't he? In, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful goal. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, other day, yeah. If you, yeah. you want to start him, who do you start him for? That's that's the problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's a good problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, yeah. If not, not available for whatever reason, then that's a no-brainer. But if it's somebody like uh, he could feasibly play in more of a wing-back position, he's got pace and energy, so he could feasibly do it. I guess I think he has played wing-back apparently before. Yeah, so that would be that would be one option. Um, otherwise, we've got a super sub on our hands, haven't we? Really, and once he gets mm. starts getting goals for us as well, that would be great. His only start, I think, was the League Cup match, wasn't it? And he, I think he, uh, not, not League Cup game, what was it? Uh, it was the League Cup game. It was the League Cup game. Yeah, I was there. I should know. I was trying to remember. Um, and I think he, yeah, kind of ran out of steam a little bit later in the game, but not not too much. Um, I think he could last, and if he can't, then you can always sub him off anyway. Um, yeah, the the biggest issue there is who do you replace him with? You certainly can't take Leandro Trossard out of the team. He scored a hat-trick, no. man of the match, according to a number of sites, including Fotmob, which I'm looking at at the moment, which is very complimentary about him. Um, yeah, gave him easily the highest rankings um, of the game. Um, and yeah, it's... A superb individual performance, a superb group performance. Just to round off, I mean, any other points from the from the game, guys? This was the eight-minute equaliser, by the way, if I haven't already mentioned it. Yeah, yeah actually, just b- before Trossard scored, he actually picked up an injury or something, or a cramp or something happened, but he was he was on the on the floor for some time with oh, yeah, getting didn't. treatment. So they actually got uh, Labty stripped, ready to go on. They had the board ready. Yeah. So I thought, here we, here we go, Trossard's going off. Then I'm not sure what happened, but basically Trossard got up. <laughs> uh, and I did, and I stopped looking at him, and the next minute he popped up and scored. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it looked it was... like he, I think it was a knock to the knee, some kind of knock to the knee. I think so he was clutching his knee when the when I was watching on TV. Um, mm. Hopefully, nothing more than just a just an impact, um, minor injury or something. Who knows? Could have been a dead leg. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> 
It was great. And then, uh, do you get much conversation with Liverpool fans on the way out? Did you glean anything that they thought about us? Uh, one or two people were saying that you, you, you played well. I mean, it was fairly complimentary. I don't think there was there was no animosity. I thought you know it was very, it was quite a pleasant walk, walk back to the, yeah, back to the uh, to the pub. So uh, back to the centre. The match going yeah. on anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had the misfortune when I got back into my car and I put talk sport on that like Gabby on or is it Ang? I'm sorry, I pronounced it. On the Yeah, that's it. And uh, and I quickly switched it off because. All he was saying was, Trossard's got to move to a bigger club. He's oh. good enough to move somewhere else. Why? And that's <laughs> flourishing where he is. Yeah, so uh, it's just it's just incredible. They they can't stand it. They can't stand anyone any other team apart from the top six from having it's any a, decent players, a decent coach. It's yeah. a whole generation of conditioning, isn't it, that's gone on. Uh, a whole generation of people who have grown up listening to this crap on the media and then going with it. It really does my head you know, Big clubs like Villa and Leeds and that sort of thing, you know. Don't get me started. Yeah. Well, by the way, we ran into loads of Leeds um, fans in, the, on, in Newcastle. Pete, you'll be delighted to know. <laughs> all on stag dues. Uh, they're all right, actually. Good, good bunch of lads, at least. Well, in general chat, they were. We didn't talk about football much. But there we go. We did say we're Brighton fans, though. And yeah. Brighton are still top four. So why does Leandro Trossard have to move clubs? He's already in the Champions League as far as it looks at the moment. We're still yep. fourth. We've been there now for, what's that going to be, like five weeks, is it? Five, six weeks? Not and bad. We can, we can go third if we beat Spurs 2-0 at the weekend. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, Man City... That gets into the proper Champions League rather than having to qualify for it. Yeah. yeah. Arsenal, yep. uh, the, the big derby games, Arsenal beat um, beat uh, Spurs, obviously, at the weekend at home to continue their amazing start to the season. 21 points out of a possible 24. Man City scraped past Man United 6-3. <laughs> no, they were absolutely all over them. United weren't in that game at all. Uh, Haaland is, is something else. Two hat-tricks. Is this the first time two different players have scored hat-tricks to represent the whole score of six? Um, has that happened before? I did wonder... Like, That's yeah. a good cool question. If anyone knows the answer, pop it to us. And we Obviously, can... Albion had a four and a three, didn't they, for the seven, seven nil ones or whatever. Yeah, that's um, true. But that wasn't Premier League, funny enough. And, yeah. uh, so Probably. football didn't exist then. Yes, exactly. And uh, Premier League yeah. era or, or any era, who knows if anyone's ever achieved that before. An interesting three hat-tricks of the same same weekend, um, but uh, just from those three games. Um, I think but... I read some stat that was sent out earlier that Harlan... The, the previous low, earliest time to get three Premier League hat-tricks was like 48 games or something like that. And yeah. Haaland's done it in eight, yeah. which is obscene. It's like... It really is, isn't it? Obscene and insane. Well, well I'm, I'm expecting... I, mean, I think he's a bit of a, a robot, actually. I think uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting if he gets a cut on his leg. He's probably going to be white sap that comes out of his leg. Right? <laughs> like, the, like the Ian Holm character, character from, from Alien. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> he, he doesn't seem real, does he? He's got absolutely no. every attribute you could possibly yeah. want. But yeah, the I previous mean, record was forty-eight games from Michael Owen to get three Premier League hat tricks, yeah. and Haaland's yeah. done it in eight games. I mean, yeah. genuinely, it's interesting. Once people have got another podcast group, and I, I was saying to my mate yesterday, watching it, it could, he could get fifty goals this season because if he yeah. stays fit, City creates so many chances, and he mm. he's just so good. But, I mean, yeah, he actually could hit 45, 50 goals and no one ever got close to that. He's averaging towards, I think, late 60s. Yeah, he's obviously not going to get that. He's going to be that, but... He's going to get none against us, obviously, you know, definitely. Just 
other quick bits to mention while we're in that pub and we're going 2 0 up and we're loving every, everything about life, we also noticed that uh, Graham Potter was losing at Crystal Palace, which I actually almost thought for a minute I don't mind if Palace win that because I kind of still would like him to not have it so easy straight away. I'm kind of neutral on him overall, really. But in the end, ultimately, thinking about it with a more rational head, it's great that they did eventually squander the lead, lose, and they have now gone eight points behind us. And as you not, said, not I've only been... lose, but lose to a last-minute goal from their 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 hero Loney from last season. Yeah. I mean, you literally couldn't have scripted it better, really, could you? Perfect, absolutely <laughs> perfect. They're on six points, goal difference above the relegation zone. Um, yeah, Forest win tonight. Yeah. What a shame they could that be that. in. Forest, Leicester, two managers under pressure. Two other managers have gone. Wolves, who are third bottom, have, have dispensed with Bruno Larger. They, they don't um, hang about. And, of course, uh, who else has gone? Uh, has gone out oh, there. Wilder was back today. Chris Wilder. There's also been the knockdown effect from Derby sacking their manager and getting Paul Warren from Rotherham, because Rotherham have taken Exeter's manager today. Oh, so, they? yeah, they're kind of, as, as we said with us, although we obviously stopped the, the, the knockdown effect by bringing in Deserby, yeah. But, you know, they're kind of like, if one team loses their manager, they can end up with four or five clubs you know, disrupting, you know, just a season being disrupted because one team hasn't got any patience. And also, I don't, I, well, certainly I haven't talked in the pod about the brilliance of Watford, who said they were going to have a, a new era and talk, you know, focus on different ways of working <laughs> oh, yeah. at the start of the season. And their manager lasted 10 games again. Yeah, well, like hell or high water, Peter. They're going to stick with him. I have had a rant about that on the on the other pod. Don't worry. Uh, championship managers. <laughs> I think their idea of hell or high water is obviously quite different. Yeah. <laughs> a different hell, hell or high water mark to us. I think. Um, championship managers. Eight managerial changes in the championship. Two of them were were moving to other clubs. One you've just mentioned. The other one being Alex Neil moved from Sunderland to Stoke. But the other six were sacks. Um, Hull sacks. Uh, Arvaladzi. Rob Edwards, of course, Watford. Um, Steve Morrison at Cardiff, Danny Schofield at Huddersfield. He wasn't given enough time after they they got in the playoffs last year on a minimal budget, stripped the team back even more, finishing a lower mid-table, which is exactly when that team should be at its best, unless they get more investment and sacked him. That was a few weeks ago. And Michael O'Neill, of course, at Stoke. Um, apparently, Deserby's up to 85th in the 92 managers in terms of longevity of service already. <laughs> and he was he was on 87 without playing. He's now on 85 after one game. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just, I was thinking of an analogy. Actually, I don't know if this analogy works, but I think Deserby, you know, he must be think, thinking he's quite lucky, really, in coming into a club with the players he's got, because basically they suit his uh, a lot yeah. of what he wants to do. I mean, like, the analogy I'm thinking of is like, it's like when you order an IKEA kitchen and it turns up with a flat pack, but he's actually, it's actually arrived in the truck with the, with the, with the, with all the cabinets made up. Exactly, yeah, it's a much easier job. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, an interesting analogy I really didn't see coming. We better wrap it up. <laughs> um, thank you, uh, Peter, as always. And thank you to Alan for joining us again. It's been a pleasure, sir. And glad to get some first-hand um, uh, reports from the game. I bet you were glad to be out of the game. I was really pleased. I was really yeah. pleased uh, that I went. It was good fun. It was good to see uh, all the uh, all their usual friends, apart from you, you guys, uh, at Newcastle. So, uh, yeah, yeah, really had some good, uh, good fun. Had some had some scouse at the pub, which was oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Scouse pie was it? No, it was a, just a, just a stew with some bread. So it's very okay. very tasty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I finally pied Parmo at the weekends. Um, recommend it actually. It's not very healthy. I don't recommend it for a 
uh, for a slimline physique, but it's uh, it's, it's quite sustenance uh, providing, shall we say? Shall we say? Yep. Right. All right. Know, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> so thanks, okay. thanks again, guys, and we'll be back with our uh, well. The next one will be something to do with Tottenham. I'm not going to be at the game, but um, maybe there'll be uh, a, a review or a preview. We'll see. Until next time, though. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please tune in and rate us and all the other stuff as usual if you can. In the meantime, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.